Hi, everybody. This is George Stone, and you're listening to Pixelated Audio. All right, welcome back to Pixelated Audio. We're your hosts. I'm Brian, and this is Gene. Hey, everybody. All right, we've got a really special show today. Uh, you heard his voice in the beginning there. This is George Stone. He is the composer of Canyon.mid, and it's not exactly a video game, but it's really important to those of us who grew up playing video games. So in PC gaming and computing circles, George is known through his song, Trip Through the Grand Canyon better known as Canyon.mid, included in the C Windows Media folder, along with a lot of other demo songs starting in Windows 3.0. I'll be (laughs) honest, I didn't even know that was the full name until like recently. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I I, I just like Canyon.mid, that's gotta be it. The full name is Trip Through the Grand Canyon. But obviously, they we'll just go with Canyon Mid. Nobody yeah, Canyon dot Mid because it had to be that protocol. Eight, eight plus three, right? That's that was the character limit at the time. But just that's to finish, right. just to finish this out, it is truly a song that's very near and dear to our hearts. Brian and I both heard it pretty close to release. We had computers from a very early age. I remember especially being, you know, just literally poking around in every single thing I could in Windows: the calculator, the the voice <laughs> recorder. The MIDI folder. This is the first MIDI file I would have ever heard. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I think it was maybe the first or the second. I can't remember which one I heard first, but it was, I just had a new sound card. It was like music is coming out of my machine that wasn't like PC speaker beeps. This is the future it's of like computing. like music. Yeah. What? Uh, since, since you guys are, you know, this is kind of aging me. I just want to, <laughs> I just want to put in a correction that I actually wrote the file when I was eight years old. And, uh, and then 30 years later, where I'm now approaching 40, then yes, yeah. Uh, cool. Well, I'm so glad that George decided to join us because we reached out to him. Honestly, I reached out to him on a whim because I kept reading all these articles about like the meme status of the music. And I'm like, but we've loved it for so long. I want to kind of cut through that and really just talk to the guy and see what he has to say about it. And 
lo and behold, he responded. So here we are. So George, welcome to the show. Hey, Gene and Brian, thank you so much for having me here. And um, it it is it, it's an honor because um, I I first of all I've never done this before. Uh, second, <laughs> second, you know, um, I didn't think I would be important enough to be able to do this. <laughs> I guess here I am. So, uh, George, uh, you know, we have a lot of questions throughout the show, but just give us a brief overview you know, your, your background, how you got started in music, what you've been up to. We'll go into passport designs and all the stuff about Canyon.mid as we get further in the show, but just give us a brief overview. Who is George Stone? <laughs> uh, well, at the age of 11, I got my start with music in the local school programs of Newhall, Valencia, now known as the Santa Cruz Valley, right by Magic Mountain. I was fortunate to have excellent teachers throughout those early years particularly in the high school and community college. I then entered Cal State University Northridge uh, from where I received my degrees and teaching certificates. Uh, During those college years, I worked as a studio musician, composer, arranger, and orchestrator, and played live shows and television, which was quite uh, common back then. I also directed my own big band that played regularly in the greater Los Angeles area. We used to play at a jazz club called Catalina's Bar and Grill on uh, Cahuenga, and um, it was a, a very productive time for a, a young musician and composer-arranger, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, being the mid-80s, uh, it was fairly easy to find work in the industry, mostly because there was so much of it. Basically, if you could play, there was work, and if you could write, there was work. But if you could do both, and there were many who could, who I admired greatly. Yeah. Um, then you really had some inroads from which to choose. Again, I was lucky in that I had friends who were already established and who were kind enough to bring me in on dates and all avenues of work. Before long, I found it a bit difficult to balance earning a music degree from Northridge while continuously working. But, you know, when you're in your early 20s, you just find a way to make it happen. I was lucky to be writing for large entities such as Disney and NBC, the latter being The Tonight Show during the Johnny Carson era. They had a big band and uh, and just the greatest musicians in the world, and it was a dream come true, you know. It it really was a a wonderful time for live music everywhere, and it's considerably different when compared to the dearth of opportunities today. And again, I say I was really lucky to come through the time period in which I did. And I'm certainly very grateful for the opportunities I was given and the people that I met who were so helpful to a young musician such as myself. You mentioned something um, before we started the recording or right as we were starting that uh, one of the first times you were aware that Canyon.mid was really getting popular was you had heard Jake Kaufman's version, right? Something like that? Back in about 2008 or so. A friend had asked about Canyon, and I related the story to him. Those questions come up here and there, you know. Anyway, at that time, I researched it and found that it was identifiable on YouTube, albeit a small variety. And YouTube had only been around for a couple years, I believe, at that point. But further research uh, found a website owned by someone who went by the name of Vert, and that was Mm -hmm. Jay Kaufman, you know. He had recorded Canyon using VSTs and did some live playing. I think he played the guitar.
performance was great, and I was really floored when I heard it. Well produced, performed. It was obvious that Jake was a great musician. Under the sound post was the comment section, and it was amazing to read all the comments from the people about Jake's performance and the song itself. Uh, and But a common question was, you know, who wrote the music? There were many people who had asked. And I thought, well, <clears throat> maybe this is a good time to chime in and at least let these enthusiastic people know who composed it. <laughs> so I wrote a brief note of thanks and let everyone know how much I appreciated their words and that I was moved that the music was embraced so dearly. Because, you know, I had, I had no idea that this had even surfaced uh, at all. And then came the flood of commentary below with Jake saying, OMG, which I learned what that meant finally. <laughs> uh, the composer himself commented, you know, and uh, it was a funny moment. And uh, people were uh, then writing all sorts of comments and it was fun to read and make, made you feel good, you know. And interestingly enough, though Jake and I have never met, um, I believe this is actually how my name finally became associated with Canyon, as well as the full title, Trip Through the Grand Canyon. So, you know, I, I have to thank Jake and his website from 14 years ago in helping to promote a detail uh, that was otherwise buried for 15 years or so. And one of these days, I certainly do hope I get to meet Jake because um, everybody I speak to about him says that he's an amazing musician and a great composer. So thanks a lot, Jake. That's an amazing story because I didn't know who it was until about 10 years ago, even though I'd been hearing it in one form, you know, both sincerely and kind of as a joke, you know, it's like, oh, it's Canyon. But uh, <laughs> that's been such a common reaction on our show. We interviewed Dan Hess, who did the music for Pilot Wings, which is, you know, an early N64 game. And I think he kind of went along thinking, did anybody like this stuff? And, you know, it's one of our one of our most popular shows because, you know, it's the music is so iconic. It was, you know, he much like you got in right at uh, the launch of a new system in, in, a, in a true sense. I mean, that's exactly how it was. It's just I think you were a little bit more uh, in the background for for this and kind of, you know, was there a reason why that your name was kind of withheld from the public or you were secretive about it? Well, there's there's a yeah, there's a huge story behind all that. And in fact, it was published in Wikipedia at one point, And then I think you have to search hard to find it now. Because there was a time when when people could launch, and it was never me. It was other friends of mine who would launch things about me on Wikipedia. Because I pretty much keep a low profile when it comes down to just yeah, quote unquote notoriety. Um, I just I don't um, go out and do those things. I just you know I don't even I'm not even on any social media web uh, websites either. So that's fair. All yeah. that said. Um, it's funny that I'm not, I'm not intending to be in a cloak of darkness or anything, <laughs> but it just kind of turns out that way. But the, the, if you search deep enough, you'll find the story that I eventually approved because it was correct. Mm -hmm. And then it got taken off because it wasn't, Wikipedia became very factual and it was like, unless you could prove with, mm. you know, footnotes and links, then they automatically just killed it, you know, and that. Yeah, that's fine. You know, I didn't really care. But really, if you go way back to the very beginning, um, I was just a performing musician and a, and a young teacher at that time. So you were talking 1989. I was running a big band in Los Angeles, uh, the George Stone Big Band. Uh, we were playing at Catalina's. We had the Monday night slot at Catalina's Jazz Club, which was, you know, and we were all the young lions of the time. Yeah. 
I was 24 years old and, and all of the amazing musicians today in uh, studio in the studios and on movie tracks and things like that, they were all, they kind of were in that band and now they're all the amazing players today, you know? And, um, and I had my hand in the industry as a composer arranger. So at one point I was introduced to, um, a really great bass player and a great musician. His name was Andy. Mm-hmm. And he was working with a fledgling company called Passport Designs, you know. And uh, I, first of all, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't even own a computer. I had nothing. <laughs> yeah. I had absolutely zero, nothing. I was still just handwriting everything, you know. And he said, hey, you know, uh, you know you've got a reputation of being a great orchestrator, a, you know, composer, arranger. Um, we, we're starting this project with this company. And uh, would you be interested, you know? And it was like, well, I don't know anything about computers. I don't, I don't own one. I go, well, we'll, we'll get you one and we'll train you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really how it happened. And uh, so when I said, you know, being a young guy, I said, sure, I'm, I'm interested. I'll, I'll do whatever. I, I eventually, I guess I have to learn what a computer does. <laughs> so sure. they got me a Mac SE 30. Of course, that made no difference in my life. It was like, okay, so what do I do with this? He goes, well, just hold on a second, George. You know, we got you an SE30. And I said, okay, so is that good or bad? And, you know, it's kind of one of those, I was so not into a computer at all. I didn't even know how to turn it on. <laughs> so all this said that, uh, and I, I I don't want to go too long on this, but um, the SE30 was, it had an upgrade. He goes, that, that has a RAM upgrade. Okay, what is that? Well, it's normally ships with one megabyte of RAM. You have two megabytes of RAM. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that was big and it had a 30 megabyte hard drive which are you kidding at, you know, that was like so amazing to them. And to me, it was like, okay, how do I turn it on? You know? <laughs> and so eventually uh, they showed me how to use the thing. And then the rest was easy because I was already a musician and composer. I just needed to see how it integrated into that manner of doing things. And once I figured it out and they showed me, then the rest was easy. So that's how it got, how I got started on that. Well, Eventually, um, there was a point at which they wanted to produce, if I recall correctly, it was something called MIDI hits or something like that. And they were, they were supposed to be songs, little, I called them bumpers in the industry. We just called them bumpers because they were like one minute, two minutes, 30 seconds, whatever, um, based on a theme. So, you know, I want you to write something that's very romantic. I want you to write something that's very, um, you know, edgy. I want you to, whatever. One of them then was, uh, picture yourself uh, flying through the um, Grand Canyon. You know, you're on a plane, you know, you're going right through the middle of the Grand Canyon. You're kind of, you know, swooping left, swooping right and everything. And that was the prompt, so to speak. Huh. And then, uh, and then the rest was just me going, okay, well, I'll get to that. And eventually I got to it and I had done this one, did this one. I was, I did dozens of these cues. Yeah. And then I finally said, okay, well, let's do this Grand Canyon one. And, um, I had just got a new Roland keyboard. I think it was a RD 500 or something like that at the time. And, uh, and I had become very good with the software. So it, you know, it, it all made sense to me. And then, and then I was using something called a sound canvas, which was a, yeah, another Roland thing. And it was, it was pretty weak, but it was cool <laughs> eventually. Um, but it was an MT 32 originally. So there's a Roland MT 32 sound thing and eventually it it got upgraded to the sound canvas 
I have an MT32 right behind me. Do you really? Yeah, we, we've talked about the MT32 and the SC55 plenty on this show. SC55, yeah. that's it. Yeah. I had the prototype SC55 that didn't have any front controls on it. <laughs> it could only be controlled by MIDI data input at the time. <laughs> and I, I don't have that unit anymore, but man, I wish I did, you know. <laughs> collector's item <laughs> anyway so you know so i did these dozens of these little pieces and they they paid per tune you know mm -hmm. that's what you did and, and you're a young guy and you agree to it and and plus they they didn't take me very long to compose i think canyon was composed you know in an afternoon all of the melody and all of the 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 uh, what do you call it the uh, fills and everything that was just me improvising over the top on a keyboard using a guitar sound or using a bass sound or using whatever there was never i never wrote anything down i didn't have to i just composed and i could play because i'm a keyboardist right and you you were saying you were f firmly in practice with the big band and all of that so this was pretty much just like you know composing off the cuff it really was kick. I'd love to give you a more glorious. Oh, I worked on that sketch, and then I worked on this, and you know, and I worked on an orchestration. I really didn't do any of that. I literally played the parts one at a time directly into the sequencer, and I play them in real time, uh, whatever the 120 beats per minute or whatever it sits at, and yeah. and that's it. And then if I, you know, if I clipped something or I ch or I, I cacked on something, I just punched it in and I said, okay. And then I was done. I was finished. I, I sent them and they go, Oh my God, that sounds great. Hey, great. And then somebody would go through and clean up the starts and the stops, uh, back then, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, quantize them. Right. Right. Yeah. So well, just it had to be quantized. Yeah. yeah. Cause it had to start and stop precisely and everything like that. But the original musical performance, not quantized, that was just me playing all the parts, you know? That's, you know, not every story needs to have a glorious uh, backstory. I think it's cool anyway. I mean, we, we hear all sorts of, one of the things that we love about the show is that, you know, there's, sometimes it is, as you said, something almost like off the cuff. Sometimes it's something that took 50 revisions. For us, it's more about the cultural impact. And one of the things that I'm curious, uh, do you still have any of those other sketches or cues? The one we're familiar, obviously, launched with Windows, but. Uh, I, I don't know what else you put out, if you even have them. Interestingly, I have a cassette tape that was produced um, by Passport uh, of some things I did that were big band, like transcriptions, uh -huh. that they wanted note for note, like, you know, Duke Ellington type stuff. Um, I have those recorded on a cassette, and I have the original MIDI files from every single thing I've done.
Oh, so wow. the MIDI files can wow. no longer, it's just data. So if I bring it into Pro Tools today, it's a mess. I'd have <laughs> to go through and really, it, it didn't translate well, let me put it that way. <laughs> but it still exists. But what's interesting is that I still have the Mac SE30 and it, on it is Passport's uh, Master Tracks Pro. And on it is the trip to the Grand Canyon. The actual computer that I d composed it on <laughs> exists. I own it. It's it's safely put in my closet. And if I fire it up today, I can actually see the file. Next time I drive down south to Central Coast, I'm just going to have to pop by <laughs> and uh, rip that thing out of your closet. And we'll <laughs> we'll oh take a listen. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, to see to see that thing I haven't fired up in so long. I'm I'm assuming it still works. I, I hope it does. It probably is wise that I maybe pull out of the box and turn it on. You should probably turn it on and, and make like a like a recording of it or a video so a that video you, know, you, you can yeah, at least so that, capture it in time. Yeah, before that right. thing dies. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. That that familiar ding when it turns on, you know. But but yeah, interestingly enough, um those the files do exist. Um you know, I just haven't put any time into it's. It's just not on my radar at this point. But probably I should probably at least investigate that stuff again. Yeah. So there were many, many uh, things, but the, it was the canyon thing, and and to kind of come full circle here, just to make it a, a, a good cap on that story. Um, I worked for them for a couple of years, and then they came out with a. I was beta testing um, Encore, which is the music writing program, and and that was useful, and then things kind of sloughed off. They weren't giving me assignments and then pretty soon come to find out that they weren't, the company wasn't flourishing in the way that they wanted to uh, from uh, Miramonte's uh, Pacifica. It was in, they, they were located in Pacifica, California of all things. Huh. Oh, that's like, no, no, right not Pacifica, on... Half Moon Bay. Excuse oh, Half me. Moon Bay. Okay. Yeah. It was on Miramonte's road in Half Moon Bay. Huh. And, uh, and I just drove, drove through there recently and I thought of that. Um, but uh, one thing led to another and I was busy and then, Really, in all honesty, by about 1993, I don't think anything was happening and they were going to be acquired by a company named Gvox. Huh. And I don't know if that really went through or not. But regardless, I just figured, okay, it came and left. I did my things and it was over. Well, it wasn't until about 1990, well, about 92 or 93, actually. Um, I could be wrong on the dates. But all that said, a friend of mine contacted me. He was teaching at UCLA mm -hmm. and he... He said, hey, you know what? You can play this music on this uh, computer. And uh, and it was like, what do you mean you can play it on your computer? Because, of course, we didn't – we still couldn't do that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you, go, you can go to this file and you can – you you type in whatever code and then it plays like on a on this Sound Blaster card, you know, that, that – you know, and, of course, this was all news to me. And then, uh, and then uh, I said, okay, well, that's great, you know, so who cares? And then he played it for me over the phone, and that's when I was like, "You got to be kidding me! You you got to be kidding me! That's my tune." And then it was like the silence. It was like it's on every copy of Windows operating system. It's like I had no idea. <laughs> wow, <laughs> none, huh? Because unbeknown to me, uh, Passport had um, given it to Microsoft, uh, and it said donated or whatever provided by passport designs and when i found out that it was on you know whatever 
million copies of operating system. It was 3.1. Then it was 3.11. Then it was Windows 95. Being a Mac user, I didn't know what any really uh, any of that meant. Um, but regardless, it uh, we found out. And, um, you know, and this is an area of the story where I don't dwell on it too much, but to, for the sake of this podcast, obviously we need some continuity. I actually contacted uh, a firm, an author- uh, attorney firm, a large one that dealt with music type, um, you know, uh, properties and things. And, uh, and they investigated and then they found the original contract that I had signed way back in 1990 that, you know, these are work for hire. And, uh, you know, and back then, obviously, if you think about it, I was writing a dozen per week or whatever I was doing and then getting paid for them. And that was it. You know, I never thought they would do anything. But regardless, um, I didn't own the copyright. And Mm. as a result, um, Passport did. And they gave it to Microsoft. So I guess the next push was, well, since it said um, provided by Passport Designs, could you at least list me as the composer? So that's when we had to try to get in touch with Microsoft, which was in the early 90s. Are you kidding me? You know, it's like the Pentagon. It was like Fort Knox. <laughs> I was just some dude in LA and Bill Gates and that empire was pretty much unapproachable. Uh, not that they are any easier today, but Bill's a little bit more, you know, he's, he's more of a philanthropist now, you know, whereas before he was building this empire. Anyway, however it played out, I didn't end up getting that credit on there. And so it became, I guess, last I had heard it was released on like over 60 million copies of that operating software. Wow. And so all these people <laughs> knew, like whoever was listening to this, all these people knew this song, uh, this little this little bumper, and uh, it became part of their lives. And here we are 30 years later, basically, and now they're all grown ups. You know, that's us. Go, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, well, that was part of my childhood, so to speak, or whatever. And and then now we take it back up to 2008 when I saw Jake Kaufman's website, and <laughs> now move forward another, you know, 12 years, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and that is one of the that's kind of the ethos of our show is one of the things that we really like to do is you know get the the story behind the composers. We often talk to people that are not. I don't want to say notable, but people that you don't necessarily think of, you know, the people or behind maybe the music. not That's, credited. Yeah, even, sometimes uh, even not credited. In fact, yeah. a lot of what our community has done, ourselves included, is really, you know, cross-reference to make sure, is this the right composer? Making sure that folks that were previously uncredited now get those credits. I mean, your name's been out there for a little while, but, you know, it is good to hear the story directly from you rather than the internet uh, trying you know, to dictate kind of, what, yeah. what may or may not have happened. <laughs> yeah. Especially. And I appreciate you, you somehow digging me out of the grave, you know, because uh, I know that I'm not the easiest person to, to find it. But, but if you were an ex, if you were in education or in professional music, you would, could ask anybody and they'd go, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. We know who it is. Um, you know, and I just want to make it really clear to everybody that, um, I never had any problems with the people at Passport or anything. I just was, as new to that finding as, as any young person would be, it's like, Oh, well, this is, is this important? Oh, I guess it is. Oh, well, is there any way I could get anything out of this? You know, I, I feel like I deserve something. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you, know, you, right. you just follow the pathways. And when they finally lead to perhaps not what you intended, you just go, okay, well, I, I tried and I, it wasn't like I was thinking that that company was, doing anything underhanded or anything like that. It was just, well, I, I hope I could get some credit for this, you know? 
and but it never happened. And I, totally, um, I, I can I can completely understand that. Like if I if I had done something that was over, you know, however m- million copies, I'd at least like to have my name on it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I was you thinking know, that like, if my hey, name yo, was listed that. as the composer, I probably would be one of the most successful game music composers today. Or I might have, you know, done something like that. Yeah. And um, because I was really, there were others, but I was really on the forefront of all of that MIDI producing and things like that, you know. And and I didn't really know that I was. I just was doing what I was told to do, you know. And and they were they in return wanted my composition expertise, and so it seemed to be a good fit. Um, but anyway, yeah. um, bit by bit, uh, somebody will always come by and come by not they'll, they'll contact me i got contacted by somebody in sao paulo brazil i believe it was somewhere in south america and he said oh by the way i wanted to know if i could get an autographed copy of your you know canyon dot mid and, <laughs> and i was like oh my god really really <laughs> yeah you really you no, know i really want to you know and then i had somebody in somewhere either in the philippines or in in um korea a young pianist He's on YouTube and he goes, Mr. Stone, I, uh, I transcribed and played all the parts to Canyon.bit and he, he posted it and he's like really good. He played everything. And, uh, you know, and so there's been these little flourishes, I call them of, of some people reaching out and contacting and just saying how much they enjoyed it. And I, you know, my, my whole philosophy now at this point is, uh, yeah, okay, well, I'm glad it has its own life and I'm glad it still provides some kind of joy for people, you know, and, and if, 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 you know, if it's, I feel it's obviously correct to identify who really truly composed the piece. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if something cool can come out of it, great. And if not, then as long as everybody likes the music and apparently it's taken on its own little cult type life. Oh yeah. I mean, Big absolutely. Time. I mean, I, Actually, we went to the Library of Congress and we were kind of talking about the evolution of music technology. We kind of slipped in a little Easter egg. It was like, here's what MIDI files look like. Oh, this one's Canyon.mid. Uh, That's and in we- the Library of Congress? Yes. Now it is. Now it is. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we, uh, I, I think I wrote who wrote it on the slide. Boy, I'm almost positive have. I did. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I did. Once because again, wrote, not getting credited. I no. think I wrote credit for everybody that I could find and I already knew that you had written it at the time. So. Okay. Fingers crossed should be 99%. But anyway, the point is, um, it's one of those things that like, we've talked about MIDI on various live shows. One of the first things people always type in the chat is canyon.mid. It's like, it really is. Wow. This, yeah. Wow. We gave a talk uh, at, um, what is it? VGM together. And we were mentioning like MIDI technology. And that was like one of the first comments. And, and this is not a new occurrence. This happens pretty much anytime MIDI gets brought up. <laughs> it's because it was the first, it was, it's, it's basically like the... Super Mario Brothers to really MIDI is, music, yeah, really, it, like yeah. it is. It <laughs> yeah. is the uh, kind of quintessential, like, go-to default when you talk about MIDI technology, that's the one. And it's because that's what we all first heard. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> that is very, very, you know, because when you're in it, and you're, like, when you're the composer and you're just doing what you're supposed to do, you don't, you can't possibly, first of all, think that way. You can't think how, what it's going to do. And you had no idea that it was going to even do anything to begin with. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then when you find out later that it's become, you know, I hate to use these terms, but it's become kind of legendary now. What can I do except smile and kind of chuckle at that, you know, at that, <laughs> at this point? Yeah. I mean, at that, it, it, when you were, when you were sitting down composing it, there's no way you could have known the no. success it would have. And I, I wonder, like, 
after you started seeing this momentum of, um, uh, I guess it, it ramping up because everybody is having access to it now. Do, do you think like, like, damn, I wish I would have just added that one thing I was thinking about adding that I didn't do. <laughs> no, or something. No. I'm not thinking that way with, with Canyon.mid for sure. But <laughs> I think it's, you know, it's probably, I should probably myself release a definitive version of it. Like now that I, you know, I have every bit of recording technology at my fingertips. I direct the entire audio technology program here at the college. I built it. I have my own home studio. Um, I am a musician of high caliber and, you know, I, I probably should contact my great studio player friends and say, Hey, listen, we're going to track this and let's make this good and put it out. And I don't know, maybe it'll be a hit. Who knows? <laughs> it certainly will That's in our awesome. circles. I don't know how wide it's going to go, but <laughs> maybe Taylor Swift might like it. You know? Hey, who knows? And, you know, and maybe they'll put know. it in like windows 12. Who windows knows? It'll be like 12, the default. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah, you know, um, but I, I, I think the, 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 the most amusing part of all of this. And uh, of course I, I mean this with all great due respect because people have been very generous and very honest and, uh, um, forthright in, in their, in their praise, you know, is that when I start to see a few videos of people like actually physically performing it, like there's a, there's a video on YouTube of some group called the smash brothers and they're, they're play. Okay. This is what you've been all waiting for all night, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and then they start playing it. And it just, I just had, I just start cracking up because it just, uh, again, I, it never, I was never intended to do that. Let me put it that way. Wild, yeah, right? I, I think I know which video you're talking about. If not the same one, there was uh, one of the performances at MAGFest. Somebody just decided to throw that in there as a novelty and the <laughs> audience loved it. And, you know, it's true. It's it's left its mark. I know, as you said, like if you had done things differently and all of that with the copyright stuff and unfortunately, you know, history is history, but we still have the music and we're still very fond of it. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, 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 the real irony is that... Um, at least an interesting fact is that as a uh, or, as a orchestrator and arranger in the industry, there have been so many things I've written for where my name would never get on the on the docket, you know. Um, uh, but this last movie that I just wrote music for, which is called Amsterdam, mm -hmm. uh, sure enough, there's a big screen, two big screen credits on the uh, on the end. So when I think about Canyon Dot Mid or uh, Trip to the Grand Canyon from thirty, it took thirty years to finally be. <laughs> <laughs> credited properly. And it's so funny, my students who went and saw the movie because it, it was out in the theaters just like the beginning of the month. And uh, they all took video, you know, because you can, they have cameras yeah. and, you know, you're not supposed to, but they took videos of the screen credits because they were like going, oh my God, there it is. And uh, <laughs> oh, so that's I, awesome. when I finally saw the movie, I was just started chuckling. I was like, wow. You know, so it took this long to finally get credited. And now nobody knows that it's the same guy. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> it should have put AKA Canyon Dog Mid. <laughs> that dude. Uh, well, at least we know the real story now. You know, going from the Grand Canyon to Amsterdam, the journey is complete. <laughs> yeah, there's been a, a lot in between, but that one was the most recent. And that, that kind of fell into my lap just haphazardly, too. So it was. <laughs> But I was happy to work on it. It was a great, it was a really cool film to work on. Um, I was I was one of the orchestrators and arrangers. There was a composer, um, and uh, you know the movie is. I don't know if you've went and saw it. The movie is is uh, definitely it's a different movie. But the actors on it are amazing. Like you know, it's a star studded cast. So I haven't seen it yet. So yeah, I, I haven't seen it, it but I'll, I'll go check it out. I, I'm curious. We're talking about you know, this, this current release with the, you know, for Amsterdam, stuff like that. Have you ever thought about maybe pursuing or, or, or maybe returning to, um, software as far as like, you know, maybe game soundtracks go or is, has that crossed your mind? Well, you know, um, I appreciate that question, Brian. Um, in, in addition to my full-time duties here at the college, which I'm now in my, uh, at this college, I'm in my 27th year. I can't believe oh. that. Wow. Um, 34 years total in education, but, uh, um, I still work as a professional musician and I work, uh, as a composer, arranger and engineer, you know, and I, I will play on people's records and tracks. And so I've, I've never not, I've, I've never stopped doing that in addition to the educational field. So if, if a project Mm -hmm. were to come my way, of course I would embrace it. I, I, I'm a I'm a workaholic when it comes down to those things. I really enjoy producing and creating music. I've just done it ever since I was 11 years old. You know, so yeah. That I mean, sense. if an opportunity came by and somebody somebody needed music for a specific game or for a specific uh, situation, I can yeah. do it. I can do it all. You know. <laughs> yeah, I guess I I don't know how like it typically would work with somebody like in your career, for example. Like, is it something you'd say? You know what? I'm gonna go put my name out there for video games or, or apply for these different. I don't know how it works. You know, like yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm just guessing. Really, you know, it's just it, nothing's really changed in the industry. It's really, uh, you know, you you get rec- you get referred. Um, it's who you know. It's yeah. uh, reputation. You know, somebody says, "Hey, by the way, call this guy." You get on these lists that nothing's really changed that in that matter. But for example, a good friend of mine, uh, a close colleague, uh, writes, uh, orchestrates for World World of Warcraft. Oh wow! Oh. And um, he's been doing that for at least ten years now. And uh, I think that when he came on board, he never thought that it would continue to do what it's doing. And um, yeah, I mean, he he loves doing that stuff. He's really good at it. And that game apparently has, you know, gotten become its own thing. <laughs> you know, it's massive. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it would be so fun to write for that just because now today at my fingertips, as opposed to an MT32 or a SC55, I've got, you know, just terabytes of the finest sampled sounds. And of course, I can play everything. Um, if you really need me to play real drums, I could. But, you know, I've just... You get to the point where you just you can now as a composer, arranger, and a, and a keyboardist, you can just play everything, and you can I could put together something so quickly now that yeah, it it's you you get to the point where you just go yeah okay yeah I can do this. So <laughs> I mean to be honest, I'd be more than happy to hear you just play some stuff on the MT32 as well. So <laughs> but don't sell yourself short. And, and uh, you know 
That said, if uh, if uh, we can't make any promises, but if after the show comes out, somebody taps you on the shoulder, just say, "Huh." Oh, I see. <laughs> you know? yeah, maybe it'll be. Maybe it'll be. Uh, um, uh, yeah, man, you're still trying to milk that story, aren't you? Yeah, hey, yeah. No, Andy. Andy is a great guy. I haven't I haven't talked to Andy in 25 years, probably. I mean, these were these like again. These were all great people. Um, I just think that everyone was scuffling to do whatever they thought was the best thing to do. And it fell in however it played out, you know? Yeah. But yeah, uh-huh. somebody all of a sudden as a result of this podcast goes, what do you mean George Stone's interested? I was, it was like my, it was like my students once I, I had a student ask me in, you know, in front of class to go, Hey George, so would you ever, would you ever like write music for Justin Bieber? And, and you know, the rest of the class kind of looked at him and I, I paused and I said, well, what do you think? Well, I don't think you would because you know, you know, you're not a fan of that kind of stuff or anything. And I, I stopped him really quickly and said, "If Justin Bieber asked me to write music for his new record, of course I would." Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of course I would. You know, and it was it was a great laughable and teachable moment. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We we as musicians, we go where there is work and where there is a way for us to produce and help support a project. I mean, how thrilling, you know, how thrilling, Yeah, you know, like I mentioned Taylor Swift uh, recently, just because she's been, I think she occupies the top 10 billboard spots on her yeah. new record. Yeah. You yeah. Know, <laughs> everything she touches turns to gold and she's just so amazing at what she does. Uh, yeah. I mean, to be able to work with some of these types of artists, it would be a dream come true, but, uh, at the same time, you know, I've had a, a wonderful, so far, a wonderful 35-year career working with the best musicians in the world. I'm so fortunate. Uh, the greatest contractors, uh, excellent uh, show directors, um, just musicians in general. They're all my favorite kind of people, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really glad to hear it. And uh, I think I want to wrap up the show really quick. But before we do that, uh do you have any plugs for us, George? Any any things you want to bring up? You mentioned the movie that you just released. Oh yeah, the movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, that that already that has been released. Um, hmm. Personally, um, not really. I mean, there's there's always a new project I'm working on, but not anything special or big. Well, um, you you mentioned you mentioned you, you're doing some live stuff too. I mean, is that do, do you do live shows anywhere? I or? do play. Uh, I get uh, ca- called or to to be the you know like the pianist for uh, uh, quartet or quintet or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. There's a great uh, lyricist, drummer, composer, arranger, everything. He's like a jack of all trades. He's a dear friend of mine. His name's David Tull. And he came out with a record called Texting and Driving, which is, if you haven't checked it out, it's, you should check it out. It's great. Mm-hmm. And um, I helped on that record. And for example, he's out performing. And if he comes up into this area, he'll call me to play piano and then we'll perform. So there's this great new jazz club in um, Paso Robles area, which is called Libretto. And it's a I really, have been there. really cool place. And uh, I think I think Dave Tull is booked there on February third, uh, early part of February. I'll be playing piano in that. Um, I might have to go check it out. Yeah, yeah Brian and I might yeah, go make a trip down there, February third. It's whatever. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to go to uh, Libretto's website if you go to Libretto Paso, and it'll list all the different entertainers. I mean, he's got quite a roster of people there. A guy named Corey that runs it, and he does a great job. And we're lucky to have that jazz club here. So, and then outside of the traditional kind of, you know. Thursday night at the Madonna Inn or something like that. Um, yeah, you know, I still keep my fingers moving and 
I'm still a trumpet player and I still play my horn. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, how much I appreciate you <laughs> bird dogging this because I know it took six months from the time we first, first <laughs> made in November. Yeah, we finally got it. <laughs> All worth it. All worth it. Oh, yeah. gosh. Well, both you guys, you know, and um, is there anything else I can answer about Canyon.mid or? Can I get a signed copy of that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I will make that know, available. Let us know when you you reorchestrate it and re-release it. We'll be the first ones to sing your praises. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, no, I will do that. And um, you know, and then to everybody who is uh, a, a regular uh, follower of your podcasts um, or, or part of your team or whatever, I just, you know, just want to say uh, I appreciate um, all the enthusiasm. You know, again, I would have never ever predicted that this would go this direction <laughs> and uh what what i didn't make in uh in uh, a monetary function i certainly have made in uh finding new friends and uh and in the joy of knowing that uh, people like the music you know and it definitely resonated with people for many many years yeah. so that's something that not a lot of people can say oh that's cool yeah, and then you could just look up the stuff that I've done on uh, the, with my big band records and things like that, which is a totally different different angle. But you know, we will link it in our show notes. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. Yeah, cool. Send us the link, and we will post that on our show notes. But uh, with that, I think we do need to. I made this promise to Austin Green many many months ago. I said, "Hey, we're interviewing George Stone." This I think was in June, <laughs> and, and he said, "Let me know when the show comes out in a couple of weeks." But we're going to be playing his band's arrangement of Canyon Mid. The band is WASD, so you can tell they're very big fans of PC music. Uh-huh. Uh, and the album is called C Windows Media, appropriately enough. So they've got uh, One Stop and a few other midis that came stock with uh, Windows back in the day. So. But, but, but the, the, the band's <laughs> actually called WASD? They are, yeah. That's yeah. great. <laughs> That's really great. <laughs> there you go. Oh my gosh, yeah, crazy. So I'm looking forward to hearing that. Yeah. Excellent. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you, uh, thanks to everybody for listening. And we'll see you back in a few weeks for the next episode. All righty. Thank you.